0: This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
1: With Cognita Schools.
0: I'm Helen Farmer. Great to have you with us on this episode of Eye on Education. We were talking tech from device addiction with a parenting coach to What does the latest research with teachers say when it comes to screen time and actually how valuable tech is in the classroom? Plus, in conversation with the lead on tech from RGS Guildford, Mr Andy Price, as we discuss banning phones in schools. And what are his predictions for the future? And in conversation with Isa, a young podcaster, Over the airwaves, talking news in just year six. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
1: With Cognita Schools.
0: Joining us live on the line now, it's Coach Mesa, a licensed conscious parenting coach, a cognitive behavioural therapist. And in her words, she helps people feel more confident in all aspects of parenting. And I think one thing an awful lot of us parents feel like we're on shaky ground with is the use of tech devices in our home in our schools and how to navigate really a generation of kids that have never known anything different and if you're in my era you will remember the old msn chat the sound of the dial-up and how we became kind of integrating it into our lives not the case now in 2023 with kids who are digital natives Coach Mesa, you speak to us as a parenting coach, but also a parent, and I really appreciate your insights on all sorts of aspects, especially this is one where I know an awful lot of parents come to you with challenges. What are some of the common issues and obstacles that parents are trying to deal with when it comes to tech and devices?
2: Hi, Helen. Hi. Yes, it's definitely high. It's definitely um, one of the most, if not the most common struggle that parents have is devices. And, you know, if I could summarize it, it all stems down to parents not understanding how to hold boundaries when it comes to devices and parents thinking that the problem is the device. And so there comes this um, narrative that, oh, back in my days or, you know, oh these devices are causing such and such. When in actual fact, when we look at the research, when we look at what experts are finding, the device isn't the problem. The problem is what are kids doing on the
0: device? Mm. I find that oddly reassuring, (laughs) to to, to be truthful. And, And I
2: mean... Look, I, that's where I come in, where I want to make the device less problematic and increase the skill set of parents. You mean, you know, what I mean by that is we don't just expect our kid to turn 18 and then suddenly drive a car. If we're going to think of a powerful um, thing in life, you know, a car is very powerful. And so we use The years and children go and get lessons and they learn how to drive and they take in, you know, a lot of experience from older people. And so, if we think of a device, if we think of an iPad with the same power, because devices are mighty alluring and addictive and seductive and all of the above, we don't, we can't expect a child to just be on a device and then just know what to do with it, how to be on it in a healthy way, get off after five minutes. It's a really powerful device.
0: And you know we can't expect them, as you say, to have, especially as a as an, an under underdeveloped brain, to to know yeah. how to spend time on it. And for us, and That's I'll true. be completely honest, you know, I, I've mm. got kids who are six and eight, and one of the most kind mm-hmm. of contentious issues in our home is exactly that—the turning off or the mm-hmm. taking away of the mm-hmm. iPad. Because my six-year-old, in particular, she quite frequently loses it, and we try really mm-hmm. hard to go, mm-hmm. okay. You know, when this episode is over or, you Mm. know, Mm. when this game comes to an end or let me show you on the clock when we're going to be da-da-da-da-da. So that's what I would love from you this afternoon. I guess some effective ways that parents can set boundaries around screen time without causing conflicts with their children. Yeah.
2: Yeah, let's break this down. Holding a ba- uh, Setting a boundary is one thing, and then holding a boundary is another. And parents get really, scared, you know, kind of worried in this department. Why? Because they're often worried, concerned, fearful, can't be bothered, whatever you want to say about the aftermath, about when you do hold a boundary, your child isn't going to say to you, well, thanks, mum, that was an excellent boundary you <laughs> held there. You're yes. absolutely right. <laughs> You know, I have been on this iPad for an hour, and you're right, I need to stick to my promise. No child is ever going to do that. We have to accept it, acknowledge it, and move on from, from this fairy tale idealism. No kid. Okay, so when we've understood that part, we need to now think about our boundary. Are we being clear? Are we being consistent? And are we being reasonable? Right, We can't just expect for a kid to get off halfway through them building a Minecraft, I don't know what, while they're playing with a friend and suddenly you're like, it's 5.30 and you promised 5.30 you're getting off. We have to be respectful Mm -hmm. and reasonable about it. So we might pop our head in, um, you know, at about 5.20 and be like, hey, nearly time is up. What's going on? We want to look at the game the kid's playing. We want to understand what's happening. Are they in the middle of a YouTube episode where they can press pause? And now here's the big, here's the crunch time. It's time to hold the boundary. So in your case, you've been clear and reasonable, and you've said, darling, it's 6 o'clock we said at six o'clock time, you know, time is up. I'm going to help you get off the iPad. We're not going to shame, blame or punish. We're going to perhaps, you know, take the iPad, turn it off for her without any shame, blame or guilt. And we're going to help them through the emotion. Because as I stated at the start, no kid's going to get off an iPad, something that's so addictive and alluring and be like all cool to go and do their homework, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't just be like, okay, now it's time to command and demand
0: this child. And, and, and it's and also not going to work that way to draw parallels between us as parents as well we wouldn't like it mm. if someone snatched our phone out of our hand you know, yeah when we're in the middle of an email or a sudoku or you know yeah. doom scrolling as many people are, are right now um and we are hopefully grown-up reasonable adults who are media savvy with fully developed brains never mind these little souls who are like But I was just just playing that. Um, Coach Mason with us today. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
1: With Cognita Schools.
0: Coach Mesa, licensed parent, coach and cognitive behavioural therapist is with us today Um, and a big, big, big challenge for so many parents um, and an issue that many parents are coming to a coach Mesa with is exactly this around tech addiction and how to have some healthy boundaries. I am not about demonising technology, my goodness, and you'd be a fool to say that your kids can't use technology or devices You really would be setting them back, but what can we do? Um, a message here saying, totally agree. We give our kids 10, then five minute heads up with our allocated TV or gaming timers up. At the end of that time, we let them finish the show or game and if it's close to being finished or can't be paused. Um, but we have had a message here from a concerned parent, a mum, anonymous message maker saying, our 10-year-old son is addicted to gaming and YouTube. It's all he wants to do in his spare time and he's lost interest in most of the other, other activities. It's a failure on our part, we know. I want to set some healthy limits on screen time, but the problem is my husband also spends all his spare time on gaming and screens. As soon as he finished the work, he's straight on the PlayStation and watching stuff on his iPad. I've suggested a limit of an hour per day for son and uh, my husband and me and my phone, we have limits as well. However, um, my my son really looks up to his dad and wants to be like him. Um, Am I being unreasonable to expect my husband to see that we're not helping our boy and to set a better example? I should add that he's a really kind and loving dad and partner, works hard and this is the only thing we really disagree on. Modeling behavior um, what what role does that play in in this in this particular conundrum, Dr. Mesa? Um, right.
2: So, you know, research on technology is varied, but there are two or three things that every research paper has found. And and one of those things is how influential parents are when it comes to technology. So you really, really need to take an honest look at your device usage. And I know, I know we have more important things to do. I know we have emails. I know that, you know, we don't have um, a childlike life, but the hypocrisy is sometimes huge you know you don't want devices on the dinner table yet you'll bring your phone along with you for the just in case now i want you to look at your life as a whole perspective not little tiny one day off moments where you've got a really full on week you know week ahead i want to i want you to look at your life in terms of the big picture so yes modeling is everything you want to work out where you can put the phone down where you can spend time with your child children 12 and under Uh, Have have been found to choose their parent every time over a device. Yeah, I know. Sounds crazy, but try it. it. I I challenge. I challenge parents. I know. I know. I. It's never ever. Now, I'm not talking about a parent going. I want to spend time with you. I'm talking about a sincere. Hey, let's do X, Y, Z. Your kid will put the device down. So that's the second thing, and the third thing that all um, kind of research agrees on is the idea that, you know, we can't just demonize devices and then wonder why our children are addicted. So the word addicted is very loaded. I wanted just to talk to that anonymous mum there. You really want to make sure the telltale signs of addiction is things that interfere in everyday life. So how's he sleeping, eating and socializing going? How's physical activity going? We really want to make sure that those are not impacted. If you find that they're impacted, I've met children who can't even make it to the bathroom on time because they're so addicted to being in the game and not losing, right? Mm -hmm. That is what I would call a telltale sign and I would see a professional about that. So if you have concerns, go see um, a professional in that regard. But the overall um, advice that I can give you is start spending time with your son. Maybe get to know the game that he's playing. Co view with him, sit down and watch it. Maybe you can spend time talking to him about the game. Maybe you can understand the inner world or the digital world that he's so engrossed in because every kid's got something that they're obsessed with Mm -hmm. from BTS to Taylor Swift to Minecraft to anything. Every kid's got something, and we as parents need to be interested in the thing, understand what's going on for them. And help guide them because it's all very well I can teach you about limits and boundaries. I can sit here from now till tomorrow telling you this is what you need to do. But how's your relationship with your child? When was the last time you chilled out? When was the last time that you went and did something together? This is what causes a child's brain to think, wow, my relationship with my parent is really
0: stable. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks to, a, a, to obviously a numerous really interesting points that I've, have definitely given me some some food for thought. Mm. And I will be challenging my daughter that later. Mm-hmm. Shall we mm. Lego or do you want to do you want to iPad? But I think yes. um, it is such a choice to kind of turn into and, and tune into what they're doing because as that mm. as that you know that gap broadens between what we know that they're doing um, mm. and how much we understand, it's. Unfortunately, and I hate to get dark, you know that that's a kind of ignorance and lack of knowledge that predators really prey on. That you know, if we don't know that the the platforms, the apps, the language that our kids are using, that this is this is this is great for them. But also, mm. I've I've found this with my kids. They love teaching me about what they're doing. They love showing mm. me. And it's, it's such a lovely thing to see their kind of confidence of being like, mummy, how can you not know what, you know, little alchemy yeah. is? You know, when you mix this with this, you yeah. get this. Look what I, yeah. and that kind of pride. And it's really, it's actually, it's a different way of interacting with our kids. We're not saying put the devices down all, all together, My goodness, mm. no. It's about how can we use them in a positive way? How can they enhance our relationship? And yeah, yeah m- maybe what can we be doing? with that device in a completely different room. Coach Mesa, I know you're always short on time. You're so, so busy. Thank you for your time today. For anyone that wants to seek out some one-on-one advice with you, and it doesn't necessarily need to be device led. And I just wanna say thank you. We did have a session on sibling rivalry, um, me and my husband with you, and it's been so, so beneficial. So we'll talk about that on another show. Um, What's the best way of getting in touch with you to avail of your, your insights, your resources and information?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on social media on Instagram with the handle at Coach Mace EQ,
0: um, and you can DM me there. Thank you so much, really appreciate it. Wishing Thanks, you Helen. a lovely afternoon ahead. This is Eye on Education on afternoons with Helen
1: Farmer with Cognita Schools.
0: We are talking education, 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 and we can't have this topic without addressing technology. It has become absolutely intertwined from the dreaded distance learning that so many of us suffered through, to where the possibilities lie in the future. With us now is Dr. Alison Burroughs, a senior lecturer in the Department of Education just next door Middlesex University. She has researched the effect of technology and screen time on young people, surveying hundreds of teachers from private international schools about their confidence in using technology, the perceptions of how it affects that student's achievement. Thank you so much for being with us today, Doctor. How are you? And I should say you are also a, a parent, which I think is really important to include. Tell us about why you wanted to focus on this area of research in particular. Hi,
3: thank you for having me. My pleasure. I focused on this area of research because I used to be a K-12 classroom teacher. And when I was a K-12 classroom teacher, technology was being thrown at me. And I didn't know how to use it appropriately or meaningfully in a way that made it uh, contribute to student achievement.
0: Mm, Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because just because something's there doesn't mean you should necessarily use it? And if you do, how do you use it to its best advantage? So when right. you're thinking about achievement, what kind of measurables or what 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 were you thinking about at that time as a teacher about that relationship?
3: Well, I was wondering if the technology I was using was more beneficial than using the traditional classroom materials, mm. or if it was more beneficial than using kinesthetics, um, manipulatives, or just collaborative discussions between students. And I always felt that The investment that we were making in integrating technologies into the classroom may not be worth it. So I really wanted to get into the research of is that technology having a payoff, and how are teachers adapting to these new classroom environments?
0: Well, that's that's a really interesting point about just thinking about the speed of which things are integrated here. And I think you know to bring COVID into it, we we did see a huge number of teachers an absolute credit to them having to be incredibly agile about delivering information and lessons in a way that they weren't necessarily trained on, you know, purely out of necessity. So when we think about the speed of which things are adapted, did you meet teachers and have spoken to teachers who were resisting it? Or what's been the attitude when it comes to integrating technology in the classroom?
3: Well, the first thing I want to do is I just want to go back a minute and say, we call COVID times distant learning time or online learning time. I call it crisis learning time because there's a difference between a teacher delivering an online lesson or a distance learning lesson who has been trained to do so Mm -hmm. using the best techniques and what we experienced during COVID, which was both a physical and a mental health crisis for so many. It really was. There was forced adaption during COVID. So teachers who were resistant to technology
0: use were forced to use it even though they might have been resentful of it. I think that's so well said, yeah. especially when you get into environments such as the UAE, where it's paid for education, and you then throw in this complication of parents going, well, I'm paying for this service. Why aren't my children being taught? And you know, more, even more pressure mm-hmm. put on educators in that environment. So yeah. to come back to your, to your survey, um, Dr. Burroughs, tell us a little bit about some of the research that was involved. What were some of the questions and, and areas that you were looking at with these teachers in particular?
3: Well, I went to over 15 schools in the UAE. I had two over, over 245 participants, and I provided them with a survey to measure their self-efficacy, meaning their confidence level in using technology and using technology for various domains. And the results were very interesting because while teachers said they generally feel confident using technology, they did not feel confident using New technologies. So showing a video, a YouTube video, or creating a PowerPoint, any of the Microsoft, Google, Apple classroom apps, that was all fine. But when it came to more content specific apps and more high level use of technology, green screens, robotics, those kinds of things, they did not feel confident or comfortable at all.
0: And I think that's fair, isn't it? When we think about Mm -hmm. areas of training and development, this is very specific. And in order to leverage a piece of technology properly, you need to be knowing how to to apply. You can't just say, this is available to you, off you go. Yes. And very
3: few teachers were able to say with confidence that they were able to tell if technology was making a measurable difference in student achievement. Mm. A lot of teachers thought the technology was taking away from student achievement because there were so many barriers to implementing the technology appropriately and meaningfully.
0: Mm -hmm. And then we throw in device use kind of outside of the classroom (laughs) and concentration levels. And we've just seen the news and perhaps you can Mm -hmm. recap this for us about a huge, huge lawsuit that's happening in the U.S. against Meta about yes. social media addiction. What do we need to know about that, doctor?
3: So this lawsuit alleges that Meta has created and implemented harmful features on Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp, their tools that get children and teens addicted to these social media sites and this is to their mental and physical detriment. And this Meta suit is run was spearheaded by the state of Colorado and forty-two other states wow. in America have now signed on, which is unprecedented
0: since the tobacco industry was sued for addiction. Goodness me! Yes. That's, so this is this is huge, and this was just yesterday that we started to hear this kind of this unfolding. Yes, and a big yes. part of it is, you know, Meta's motivation is profit. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Really and 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 the cost being young people's mental health. Yes. Would you agree with that given your findings? Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. So a lot of these apps are designed to induce
0: young people's compulsive and extended use. Mm-hmm. Especially when we think about the developing brain. Yes. So what do we need to be aware of as parents when it comes to using technologies, and I ask you this as a parent as yeah, well, Yeah, what, what are some of the parameters you, that you put in place, both with a, a mum hat on, but also your academic expertise?
3: Yeah, so the research on neurodevelopment has been explosive over the last 10 years, how the brain develops, how the brain learns. So we know that screen time has a negative effect on the developing brain. It could correlate with delays in communication, problem solving, ability to pay attention, Ability to self-regulate, manage our behaviors, children managing their behaviors. It can also cause the cortex of the brain um, to um, thin, if you will. So in a developing child, this can really interfere with the natural development on the brain. So the more time a child spends on screens, the harder it is for the child to engage in other activities. So this, this lack of healthy brain development is really becoming an issue for our population.
0: So how do we then balance? And I'm, I'm listening to you going, yes. oh goodness, I've completely messed up my children. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, oh, I think we all feel that
3: way. I think we all feel that way, including myself. I let my daughter you know, so watch here, certain things on, on the screen, should, screen as well. I
0: wanted to ask you, because mm-hmm. there can be screen time for good, you know, mm-hmm. we, we know about, you've talked about kind of problem solving issues, but, th- but there are certain programs, be it, you know, coding or communication that can actually really enhance our children's usage. So yeah. as Coach M- Major said earlier, not necessarily about amount of screen time, but perhaps how they're using that screen time. That's right.
3: So not all screen time is created equal. So when I advise parents about screen time, I ask them to look at the four C's. The first C is the child. What is the age of the child? What's the child's characteristics, personality? are they a sensitive child? The second thing is the context. Where is the child actually watching that screen? Who is around the child while they are watching that screen? At what point in history are we in where that child could have access to information that is disturbing? Then look at the content. So is it meaningful content? Will it inspire the child? Is the child passively watching or are they actively engaged? Is the content safe? Is it age-appropriate? And then finally, connection. And everything with parenting and even education comes down to connection, connection, connection. We get good results in school and with student behavior when they feel connected. So how are screens, if they are, connecting? people.
0: Mm-hmm. And just as I said to Coach Mesa earlier, you know, what can our children be teaching us? They want to be sharing what they're doing. We, we can learn from mm-hmm. them and we don't want it to be a, an us versus them scenario. You know, yes. this is very much how Children socialize and game and interact with each other, but there's an opportunity for that to be intergenerational as well.
3: Yeah. So recently, my daughter was watching some videos on recipes. She's nine. We should just say she's nine. She wanted to make a cheese souffle, <laughs> so send it to my an, house. Amazing, right? So because I don't cook, I so she made. Uh, she watched several videos, which I allowed her to watch, and that inspired her to make her own recipe based on those videos and try it out.
0: In a similar vein, my eight-year-old daughter saw some videos on making dog treats. So she's now started making Phoebe's refreshers. So she whizzes up, (laughs) you know, watermelon. She puts blah, blah, blah for the dogs. And I'm like, you know what? I am okay with that. They actually made their dad's birthday cake today inspired by something they saw. However, there are stuff I catch them watching. I'm like, this is garbage. Turn those toy opening kids off my ah, television. The
3: unboxing videos. Ah, countless hours of unboxing. There are some
0: kids I yes. could merrily never see again. A message here <laughs> saying, what about Zooming with friends? That's a great that's a great question. We use Zoom all the time for, for grandparents as well. Yeah,
3: yeah. and I'm not against Zooming with friends and family. Not at all. I think uh, for children between the ages of zero and two years, screen time should only be for Zooming with grandparents and aunties and uncles and friends. Um for for older kids, they can have a greater variety of screen time, but
0: again, limited limited viewing hours. Can I ask you then? Sure. How old do you think you're going to let your daughter get to when she gets her own phone? Because my kids are already asking. Um, my daughter actually has a flip phone,
3: so because I'm a single parent, and as a single parent, I need to make sure that she's getting from school to gymnastics to all of her different activities. Mm-hmm. Um, And so she has a phone in case she needs to call me. But again, this is not a smartphone. This is in in case it's an old fashioned Nokia flip phone (laughs) in case I need to call mommy
0: or the nanny good or her father. This is good to know. Dr. Allison, for anyone that wants to find out more about your research or indeed any resources that you think would be useful for parents and educators, where can we point people?
3: You can point them to the Middlesex University Dubai website.
0: Uh, look under the education department and my email will be there. Thank you so much. Really, really interesting. As I said, it's not about scaremongering; It's about having that information. We are going to be continuing that conversation around teachers after four o'clock today. Um, thinking about should mobile phones be banned in the classroom and what measures are being taken to ensure online safety. Just been speaking there with Dr Alison Burroughs, Senior Lecturer at the Department of Education at Middlesex University. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
1: With Cognita Schools.
0: We are talking tech this afternoon, and far from demonising the device, we're talking about how we can coexist. And who better to talk on this topic about what's happening in the classroom and in schools than Andy Price, the lead on edtech and innovation RGS Guildford Dubai? Um, I'm so interested in your job, Andy. Uh, before I get to some of the hot topics of the afternoon, already lots of messages and questions coming in on our discussion points today. Tell us a little bit about what your job entails. Is there such a typical day and, and what falls under your remit, sir? Oh,
4: wow. Good afternoon, Helen. Um, Yeah, it's, it is my dream job. Um, <laughs> I've done 23 years in education now and um, getting the opportunity to have this role and look after the multitude of tech that we have throughout the school is, is really is a dream. Um yeah, it's a, it's a multifaceted job and I think so much the staff training, um, liaising liaison with parents about mm. devices, choosing devices for the next three years. It's oh, it's wow. just so It is so interesting. I don't want to sound like a tech nerd. That's okay. um, uh, Own it, Andy, (laughs) own it.
0: Because, I mean, my goodness, things have changed since since I was at school, which was that giant TV being wheeled into the classroom or an ancient dusty overhead projector. What are some of the kind of most exciting bits of kit that you've got there at RGS Guildford? What has got you excited and, of course, that's really helping teachers right now?
4: uh yeah i remember the video recorder being pushed in and the teacher could never use it that's the, the children <laughs> would always switch on for them and i think you know sometimes that happens but with um with, with technology i think the most exciting thing at the moment i think people will probably be surprised to say this in within education is it, is artificial intelligence and uh using it to enhance learning mm. and i feel that rgs we have embraced it Uh, with the children and and there's always that scare I think that children will lose their creativity and um, they will try and beat the system with artificial intelligence but we've used it really well in helping the children um, produce uh, models and to produce um, what we call waggles, what a good one looks like. Mm So I was teaching an English lesson the other day where we had children producing a story, um, an explanation. And instead of me going, oh, here's a a really fantastic one. We put their stories into artificial intelligence and asked it to improve uh, Mm -hmm. sentence level, vocabulary, and they were amazed. It wasn't just someone else's work they were looking at, they were looking at their original ideas that sometimes they struggle to expand on and, and uh, further. Um, they had that instantly within three seconds in front wow. of them. Very and cool. they were absolutely amazed by this. And I think it, artificial intelligence has come along so quickly and we've had to react to it. We like to be proactive and reactive with um, digital tech, and especially with online safety. Absolutely, but I think we have had to react really quickly with uh, with artificial intelligence, and it, it's
0: not going to go away. It's not, you know, it's it's going to be like saying to our kids, "Don't use Google." You know, to say, "Don't use artificial intelligence." It's about educating, um, and and really, as I said, kind of being hand in hand. Um, you know, making sure curriculum is agile enough to incorporate it, which is you know perhaps a conversation for another day. But tell us a little bit about. about some of the strategies and initiatives that Royal Grammar School Guildford has, has put there when it comes to digital well-being as a priority in that educational experience Andy can, can you expand on that a little bit for us
4: yeah in three points really I mean, um, we've we put into place a digital literacy programme throughout the curriculum so not just teaching within discrete computing lessons mm. but through English through maths through science and um, integrating digital skills into the curriculum And to really empower the students with the skills that they've got to navigate. And, again, it's preparing them for that adult life. They are, in a way, and I might get told off for saying this, but they're not going to be using uh, books in their workplace. (gasps) I know, I know, in 10 years' time, they're going to have a laptop and they're going to have an iPad in front of them. So, I I mean, that's that's a bit controversial from my side, but, um, yeah... Well being workshops. We, we've run well being workshops with the parents uh, and being, you know, promoting the healthy balance between online and offline activities. We have a homework policy, as many, many schools do. Um, we do some online, some offline. So it's not all of the time that the children are in front of those screens mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, f- focusing on their mental uh, and emotional health. Uh, and thirdly, we did uh, a digital citizen education and we really do emphasize the importance of responsible online behavior.
0: Yeah.
4: And um, ethical one. use of technology. Yeah. 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 and And also acknowledging that it's never going to be perfect and we are going to make mistakes and it's how to deal with that. Yeah. And I think what we try with parents and say is encourage this really open conversation about family online use especially within the home and and develop a curiosity of what children are using and how they're using online facilities Mm -hmm. um and uh, that would be my best advice to parents and you know it can be pretty scary to parents i mean i come from a time where exactly where there was one computer in the classroom you go home and you have a choice of three channels on the television you know it's completely changed nowadays Mm. and i think schools do play a part in educating parents as well as the children of how to deal with that and and that would be my best advice is promote an open conversation have a curiosity of how your children are using um, online technology. I
0: think that's a really important point about school, kind of bridging the gap between what our children are doing in the classroom, but also what we can be doing together as families. You know, it, it can be this learning and communicating and relationship opportunity if we choose it to be. Um, it's very easy to say, "Ah, that's kids tech," or "Ah, oh, AI, that's for someone else," or because actually. As you rightly say, it's not, it's not going away. And the way that you know we might have gone to kick a football out in the, around the park, actually gaming with our kids is just a different way of interacting with them now. And we're a bit short-sighted to reject that, I think, a lot of the time. Andy Price, lead on EdTech and Innovation at RGS Guildford here in Dubai. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
1: With Cognita Schools.
0: Talking tech now with Mr. Andy Price, lead on edtech and innovation at RGS Guildford Dubai. Um, can we talk about online safety? Because, as we said earlier, there's a great opportunity there when it comes to joining with our kids on gaming, on apps, on social platforms. And as awful as it sounds, when we haven't got that knowledge as parents of what certain acronyms mean, what certain platform and apps look like, this is what predators prey on and it's very easy to go okay do you know what no devices we're going to go and run away and live in the nordic woods and my children are never going to touch technology again because that's how i'm going to keep them safe nice idea not very realistic what kind of measures should we be taking as parents to ensure online safety mr price
4: I think you've got to be proactive about this, and you're exactly right. You're doing a disservice to the children if you don't get them involved in, in online activities. But it's it's how you start this. And being a parent myself, and I'm not claiming to be absolutely perfect on this, um, but my, my child knows the rules of the house, and uh, she's not allowed to take her devices into her bedroom as she's allowed it in, in public spaces. And there are certain times that she's allowed to use it. And we've got software as well that monitors her screen time and we can switch that off or, or give extra time when you, when you need that kind of break, because yep. obviously that happens. <laughs> Thank you for saying um, that. <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely. And I think being proactive with the schools as well. I mean, any any schools out there will provide, um, you know, well-being, you um, Uh, impact on social media talks and booklets given out uh, about cyber bullying and things and just trying to get your head around something that we didn't go through Mm -hmm. at that age and it and it's I do absolutely appreciate when I'm running these workshops I appreciate how hard it can be and there's no one right answer to doing this and you know being a parent you know your child best and sometimes yes there is a, a case take the device away if it's not being used properly and not taken to the rules and then um i think it's got to be taken away it's it i always use the analogy if your child crossing the road for the first time yep. do you let them cross the road by themselves or do you hold their hand do you do it with them
3: mm-hmm.
4: and then as they get older do you educate them more about crossing the road more independently and i think that's exactly the same that what we do with with being digital literate uh, and later on, um, you know, you've got extra things coming in, electric scooters, autonomous cars. How are we going to cope with that crossing the road? It's, you know, it's a really it's, it's
0: a really good analogy because that's what, you know, we were talking, you know, talking about the highway code when we were at school or, you know, putting on seatbelts. But this is another area of potential danger and threat that. We can't push it away. It's part of life. But what we can do is lean in. And to use your example, I'm a parent as well. And, you know, my my eight-year-old came to me about six months ago. And she's like, mummy, I really, really, really want Roblox on my iPad. And -and so-and-so has it at school. And so-and-so. And And I was like, okay. um, It would be very easy for me to go, no. Um, But instead, I was like, okay, I'm going to go on Common Sense Media. I'm going to see what they say. I'm going to talk about what is appropriate um, in terms of parental settings and, you know, Let's let's have that conversation. But as I said, it's a choice to educate yourself on what these platforms are and how and how kids are using them. Um, Can we talk about mobile phones in schools? Because, again, this wasn't I think I might have got my very first mobile phone actually in in the last year of school. So I would have got my Nokia 3210 in approximately the year 2000. and I can tell you why because I remember a boy that I was messaging on it. Um, a message here from Chris Gr- from saying, I'm listening to the conversation about mobile phone. You mentioned there an idea about putting it on a, the teacher's desk. Um, I would suggest schools need to set up a locker system, near to reception, canteen, far from class, so from going out of school, they can take it from there. What are some of the policies that you have there at RGS Guildford about mobile phones in school? And we've just heard from Dr Alison Burroughs saying her daughter has a phone for pure communication purposes, you know, letting her mum know that she's got to school or she's got to gymnastics. What, what are some of the, you know, the, the hard and fast rules and, and how is it working out?
4: I've been watching the, the UK uh, very closely recently um, and the news coming out I think in the Conservative Party conference about being able to ban mobile phones in schools and I just thought that was a little bit backward. Um, they are going to be a part well they are a part of these children's lives and communication absolutely fantastic for in it's when schools deem it right to have that communication time and we've got again many schools have this policy where uh suit different age groups Mm -hmm. so our lower years aren't allowed mobile phones in school there is no need for them to have every single child in the school has a digital device provided for them so educational wise they don't need uh, a mobile or a smartphone within school now, the later years, they are allowed to bring their uh, mobile phone into school. It's given to the teacher. Teacher locks it away, and they're given back to them at the end of the day, um, so they can communicate with their parents when they need to. Secondary um they are uh, similar the uh, senior school uh similar as well but we're we are only open to year eight at the moment so we're looking you know to sixth form to year 12 and 13 are smartphones going to be their learning device are they ready to use it in the correct way is it going to be a distraction or is it going to be preparing them for their workplace Mm -hmm. is it going to give them you know the the um the skills for higher education and and going out into the workforce it's it's a big debate but i think the the way that we've looked at it as being age appropriate does it benefit the children's education are they ready to use it are they are they at an age where they are able to look after a smartphone i think blanket ban is is archaic, yeah um, not, not really
0: addressing the the no. the issues at play. So much to think about, um and it's I feel like we've had perhaps more kind of questions and answers. And I, I'm, I'm really on board for that, Andy. I think that's really, really useful because I think as parents, we often don't take a minute to examine our feelings, our values, our intentions when it comes to all aspects of parenting. And tech is such an important part of that. So hopefully we've given everyone listening today some some food for thought and hopefully some jumping off points for conversations you know, with our partners and then with our kids so we can really stay on the same team and, and move together. Uh, towards technology and with technology, because as you rightly say, it's not going anywhere. It's how we navigate it and stay with it um, that's that's going to put our kids in the best possible position for the modern workforce. Andy Price, thank you so much for your time today. I know it's after school hours, uh, so I do I do appreciate it, and um, we'd love to have you back on the show to continue this discussion um, as. The world is moving very fast indeed. Have a great afternoon ahead, sir. Thank you. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
1: With Cognita Schools.
0: Now, I'm going to lift the lid on what happens in the studio. So what happens is someone will come in, we'll put them in the hot seat and we'll talk to them about, you know, these are the headphones and this is where the microphone is and this is how you speak into it. Our next guest needed no instruction at all. Isa is a year six RGS Guild for Dubai people and a podcaster at News Kids. How are you? How's the studio, Isa? All good? Yeah. It's so nice to have you here, the next generation of broadcasters. Tell us, let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you to start the News Kids podcast? How did you decide on the topic of the theme?
5: Well, so I started when I was six and my parents always wanted me to like learn about the news and what's going on. But some of the news stories and websites, they were too mature for me. Mm. So we decided to create our own podcast for people my age that like want to listen to news so that they can
0: understand it and things like that. I think it's really important for it to be age appropriate for you to be the one that's, I guess, kind of interpreting what's happening in the world and explaining it in a way that that kids kids are kind of will truly understand. What's the age group that you or your podcast is aimed at, Isa?
5: Probably from like six up all the way to around 14.
0: Mm, I'm going to get my kids on this. They're six and eight. Now, starting a podcast can be quite challenging. What have been some of your obstacles or difficulties when you first started that journey? Well, definitely
5: COVID Mm
0: -hmm. because we couldn't
5: like sit and have discussions together. We had to use Zoom or Teams and then... Um, two of the people that worked on the podcast, they moved to England. So Uh, that was also another um, um, one of the
0: challenges. Transient city, a lot of people. And you know what? I really feel your pain on COVID. Now, the screen kind of just up there. After I love having people in the studio such as you, but for about two years, we did all of our interviews, either on the phone or through that little screen. And it's really different and really difficult because what I find in the studio, and I'm sure if you're, when you're podcasting as well if someone's a bit nervous you know you can give them a little encouraging face or a smile or if someone's talking too much i can go that's enough when someone's on screen or on on the phone it's it's much much more challenging so the fact that you came through that is really impressive genuinely really <laughs> impressive and you've gained loads of listeners loads of success what do you think has contributed to the popularity of the podcast and how do you feel about the response you've had from the audience?
5: Um, definitely that we've been doing it for a while and like um, people have posted about us. And also that lots of people want to go on the news and it's everywhere. It's on Spotify, Anchor, wow. Apple Podcasts.
0: That's amazing. Oh my God. Siri, it's really amazing thing for you to do as well. You must be learning an awful lot about the world and about people. What are your kind of hopes and aspirations as a, a young podcaster or for the podcast in the future is
5: definitely so that it would get more listeners and downloads and then we'll be known like everywhere Yeah,
0: global domination that's what we want for news kids what so what do you enjoy about it i can see you know your face kind of lights up when you when you when you're thinking about it and what, what you're talking about what is it that you enjoy the most about the creation of the podcast and, and maybe sharing that information with the world
5: I love just working together with my friends and my sister. And it's just fun having discussions like that.
0: Tell me more about your sister. Now, I have two daughters. I can't imagine them playing a game of Uno together, never mind having a podcast together without, you know, all sorts of ructions. How do you collaborate with your older sister on the podcast?
5: Um, well, we used to sit down and have lots of discussions, but since we were quite young, it used to go wrong a lot and we would just burst out laughing.
0: And now? Bit more kind professional. Of the same, but... <laughs> but that's interesting because how old is your sister? Uh, my sister's... So what's really interesting then is you're kind of looking at it from two different angles in terms of age groups and I guess your interests as well. There must be some things that you're more attracted to and want to talk about and she has different things as well. Um, What have been some of your favourite moments or episodes over the years that you can tell us about?
5: Um, My favourite moment was when we met, we met, well, one of my favourite
0: authors, Anjali Rao. Oh, I love her. She was, a, she was there for the, the boy in the back of the classroom. She's yeah. an amazing writer. What was it like interviewing her? That's a big pressure.
5: It was really, really fun. And after she tweeted about us, and we were all like, oh, we're famous. <laughs> yeah.
0: Joining us in the studio, Isa, year six at RGS Gilbert Dubai, and the podcaster behind News Kids. As she said, it is there. On Spotify, on Apple, all about making world events accessible to that younger generation. Um, how do you balance this with your schoolwork? Dare I ask your mum's in the green room? Um, and did you have any, do you have any tips for other young students who might want to start their own podcast?
5: Well, for the, for the balancing thing, we normally just have it in our schedule. Just as much you have to do homework, you have to do the podcast like cuz there's lots of people waiting for it and you don't you can't disappoint
0: them. That's right. That's right. And what about advice for anyone else? Any parents listening today, any kids listening who think I've got a great idea. I'd love to get behind the microphone.
5: I think just do it and then there's nothing that could really go wrong and you'll just gain more and more downloads as you go on.
0: You are so wise. Um, now, we should just say the spelling so people, because I know people are going to be searching for it. Would you mind telling us how your podcast is spelled? So it's
5: capital N E W Z and then capital K I D Z. It's and a really weird spelling.
0: If anyone wants the details, just send me the word pod and I will send you the link for it so people can find it. And how often are you putting a new podcast out?
5: Um, we used to do it once a week but then there wasn't much news to do every week so now we've changed it to once a month but that was only quite recently
0: well huge congratulations and I say this as a fellow broadcaster um, you're doing an absolutely amazing job Um, and thank you so much for coming in and uh, I think hopefully sparking a, a love of listening in that next generation thank you so much for your time Isa really appreciate it thank you That was Eye on Education brought to you by Cognita Middle East. I'm Helen Farmer and you can catch us live on Dubai Eye 103.8 every single Thursday afternoon.